welcome to On This Day in Tudor History with me, Claire Ridgway. Now today I'm taking you back to the reign of Queen Elizabeth I. For On This Day in Tudor History, the 22nd of November 1594, naval commander, privateer and explorer Sir Martin Frobisher died at Plymouth from gangrene. He had been shot in the thigh during hand-to-hand -hand combat during the siege of Fort Crozon. Frobisher is known for the three voyages he made to the New World in search of the Northwest Passage and his service during the Spanish Armada, for which he was knighted. After the Armada, he became one of Elizabeth's most trusted officers and commanders. But let me tell you more about this Elizabethan explorer. Sir Martin Frobisher was born in Altofts near Normanton, West Yorkshire in around 1535. He was the son of Bernard Frobisher and Margaret York. After his mother's death, he was sent to live in London with his mother's relative, Sir John York, a merchant adventurer. Frobisher took part in a voyage to Guinea in 1553, which York had invested in and which was led by Thomas Wyndham. He acted as assistant to John Berrin, York's factor. A fever wiped out over... Sorry... A fever wiped out over two-thirds of the crew, including Wyndham, but Berrin and Frobisher survived. In 1554, Frobisher took part in a voyage to Guinea led by John Locke and ended up being taken into custody by the Portuguese and being held by them for two to three years. In 1559, Frobisher commanded a voyage to Barbary and following that, he became a privateer. He was imprisoned in 1563 in Launston Jail after being involved with his brother John in the capture of the Catherine, a Spanish ship, but was released in 1564. In 1565, the brothers set off on board the Mayflower, bound for Guinea to trade, but were apprehended on suspicion of piracy and imprisoned. Frobisher was free by October 1566, when Cardinal Chatillon issued him with letters of reprisal, i.e. a license to attack and capture enemy vessels, to attack French Catholic ships supported by the Guises. Unfortunately, Frobisher didn't just attack these ships and so was arrested again in the summer of 1569 and imprisoned first at Fleet and then in the Marshall Sea. He was released following the intervention of Lord Admiral Edward Fiennes de Clinton and William Sissel. In 1574, Frobisher and Michael Locke, a merchant adventurer and the London agent of the Russia Company, set out about planning a voyage to find the Strait of Anian, a northwest passage to the Far East. They set out on the 12th of June 1576 with Frobisher as commander after getting the necessary patent from the Russia Company and backing from members of Elizabeth I's Privy Council, like Ambrose Dudley, Earl of Warwick. Their party consisted of the Gabriel and Michael, two small barks, and a seven-ton pinnace. They lost the pinnace in a storm in the Davis Strait, which lies between Midwestern Greenland and Canada's Baffin Island, and the Michael was forced to turn back. However, Frobisher carried on in the Gabriel until a falling out with some Inuits and the abduction of five Englishmen by the Inuits, combined with bad weather, forced Frobisher to return home to England. Frobisher's second voyage left England on the 31st of May 1577. 
Along with the Gabriel and Michael, Frobisher had the aid, a former Royal Navy ship provided by Queen Elizabeth I and 150 men. This time, the aim was not to find the passage, but instead to find ore. Christopher Hall, master of the Gabriel, had found some black ore on what became known as Little Hall's Island on the last voyage, and so the plan was to mine for it. Nothing was found when the party inspected Little Hall's Island, but 160 tonnes were mined from what became known as the Countess of Warwick Mine on Codlunham Island in Frobisher Bay. They then returned to England. The hope of finding gold and the need to set up a colony led to a third voyage leaving on the 3rd of June 1578. This time, Frobisher had a fleet of 15 ships. The party landed briefly at Friesland, the southern tip of Greenland, before heading on to the Countess of Warwick Island. What should have been a short journey took four weeks due to storms, fog and icebergs. And Frobisher's biographer, James McDermott, notes that it was during this treacherous journey that elements of Frobisher's fleet became the first English ships to enter what is now Hudson Strait. They finally made it to the island and were able to mine 1,370 tonnes of ore to take back to England. Unfortunately, nothing of value was found in the ore and the colony failed. The enterprise, with all of its debts, ground to a halt and Frobisher fell from favour. Frobisher did nothing of note until 1585, when, having managed to get back into royal favour, he was appointed as Vice-Admiral to Francis Drake for his raiding of Spanish ports and ships in the West Indies. In 1587, he was the commander of a small fleet in the English Channel, and in April 1588, having been deemed to be one of those which I think the world doth judge to be men of greatest experience that this realm hath, by Lord Admiral Howard, he was given command of the Triumph, one of Elizabeth's navy's four great ships, against the Spanish Armada. James McDermott writes, At dawn on the 23rd of July, the Triumph and five armed merchantmen were separated from the rest of the English fleet of Portland Bill. Frobisher appears to have intended this. Attacked by the four galluses of the Armada, probably the best armed Spanish ships and highly manoeuvrable in the calm waters of that morning, he conducted a masterclass in close-in fighting, supposedly the galluses forte, which had them fighting in turn for their own survival. Eventually rescued by other English ships, Frobisher had in fact achieved the first tactical victory over vessels of the Armada since Drake's seizure of the Rosario two nights earlier. The following day, Lord Admiral Howard chose Frobisher as one of four commanders of the English fleet, which had been divided into four squadrons. Frobisher attempted an attack on the San Martin, the Spanish flagship. Things looked bad when a change in wind direction led to the Triumph and two other English ships being isolated and then attacked by the Spanish fleet. But another change in the wind and the skills of the English sailors led to them safely returning to the rest of the squadron. Frobisher was knighted the next day on the Ark Royal, the English flagship. The Triumph was also involved in the Battle of Graveline on the 29th of July. Frobisher's service in Elizabeth I's Navy meant that he became one of the Queen's most trusted officers. 
Later campaigns and voyages included command of squadrons in the Atlantic with the aim of intercepting and disrupting Spanish trade and command of the fleet that took Sir John Norris and the English army to Brittany in 1594. Frobisher was injured in hand-to-hand combat on the 7th of November 1594 when he led a force against the fortress's main gate at the siege of Fort Crozon. The injury he sustained was a pistol wound to the thigh. On the 22nd of November 1594, shortly after the English fleet landed at Plymouth, Frobisher died of gangrene. His entrails were buried at St Andrew's Church, Plymouth, and his body was taken back to London and buried at St Giles without Cripplegate. And here's a bit of trivia about Frobisher. Frobisher Bay in Nunavut, Canada is named after him. Tomorrow, I'll be talking about a scrivener and sailor who allegedly plotted to kill Queen Elizabeth I with a poisoned saddle. Do make sure you're subscribed, click there, and that you've hit the bell so you don't miss out on hearing about him. Also on this day in Tudor history, the 22nd of November, 1545, Henry VIII's trusted physician and confidant, Sir William Butts, died after suffering from malaria. Butts was the doctor who was sent to treat Anne Boleyn when she was ill with sweating sickness, and he also advised on Princess Mary's sickness. He was also the man King Henry VIII confided in about his problems consummating his marriage to Anne of Cleves. He was obviously a man that the king could trust, and you can find out more about him in last year's video. You'll find a link in the description. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I do hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to subscribe so that you can enjoy podcasts on a daily basis. Thank you.